You know, I said in the last episode that it was truly transformative for me to recognize these two paths and to specifically on that last one to recognize I can do good productive work with my clients. They need me when they're on their protected path to go join them there and help them there and get a difference made there. And I thought, yeah, path two with this openness, when they're more vulnerable, I got that down packed. But it feels like a basketball player who's on a fast break and a wide open layup. And then sometimes you just don't finish that. You don't finish the mission there. And so we're going to talk about that more in this episode. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. Welcome back. So we did. And this episode is going to build off the previous one to episode 18, where we talked about we opened up and talked about these two different paths and recognizing these paths that pivoting to attunement being attuned to when our clients are in a protective place or when they're in a more open, vulnerable place. And so great job, even on the last one, talking about when they're in that protective place, we've got to go meet them where they are, not where we want them to be. But then even in supervision, one thing we're noticing, Ryan, is that even though some therapists, sometimes what happens is the client's open, but we find therapists making moves that aren't really attuned to our couples when they're in a more open, vulnerable position. Yeah, that's right. And there's a few good reasons that really good therapists still miss on path two. Let's, let's unpack what that means for the listeners at home. That is, you know, 35 minutes into a session or maybe at the first of the session, one or both clients start to feel much, much safer, much more seen. And when someone's been hurting for a long time, the first time they're really seen almost always emotion comes forward. Sometimes it drips down their cheek. Other times they just slow down and take a big exhale. We have to catch that moment. If we don't catch that moment, we're still working on path one, clients are over on path two, and, and we, then we send in our video and be like, what's happening? <laughs> like, that's what's happening. But for good reasons, here's, why, here's one of the reasons, it's exhausting to get there. Path one takes a lot of juice a lot of patience, a lot of resiliency, a lot of energy. Sometimes I've been working so hard, I'm sweating in my chair. Lovely image there. And, uh, you know, it's just taken me, so, it's taken me so long to get there that when I finally get there, I'm almost like disoriented and, and sort of exhausted. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you. I remember one live I did with you and George in Connecticut, and I had, and the, and the client kept blocking and blocking and blocking and you did say that in your feedback. It's like, James, you did a great job. And man, she, it was, it was, I felt exasperated even after I saw it. And then right when she unblocked, it's like kind of like it was hard for you to, like she had switched to the open state and it was hard for you to switch out of the other path and the tune back to this path in a way. And so I felt like that was so honoring once again to even not even just recognize the two paths at the beginning, but this is something in EFT. You have to always be able to attune to what path is open as you go throughout the therapy process. Yeah, knowing that it might change at any moment. That's right. And not only that it might, it's designed to. Mm-hmm. We don't just track the cycle for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. You know, tracking the cycle is a way to sort of confront harmful behavior 
But tracking the cycle is also trying to organize this thing to slow this thing down so that it shifts. And when you can do path one in a really attuned way, honestly, clients will switch paths right in front of you. And the key is to capture those physical markers, which shows you, oh, they're in a different place. So one of the reasons we miss is because we're tired yeah. and because it took so much work to get there. And or I'll give you a reason too. We get scared of that cycle. I do. I'm scared of cycles. Let's just admit it. We should start like a uh, support group. Scared of Cycles Anonymous. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Ryan. Yep. And you know what it makes me think about? I love how one of my withdrawing clients said, it's like you get to something, they finally open up, and it feels beautiful, and you don't want to mess up the beautiful. Yep. Yep. There you go. There you go. Here's one more. Um, has anyone ever seen the, the movie? It's in the U.S. I know people are around the world, so forgive us if we're culturally misattuned here, but 1994, Forrest Gump. Academy Award winner, all right? Forrest Gump in one scene is this running back, and he's super fast, all right? So he gets the football, and he runs so fast, he scores a touchdown, but Forrest doesn't yet fully understand the game of football. So even after he scores a touchdown, he continues to run out of the stadium. So the, the fans in the stadium build signs out, and it's like, run, Forrest, run, Forrest, and then it's stop, Forrest. I need one of those signs in my office sometimes because wow. I get so into a frame. I get so in love with, with how I'm reframing some protection as an attachment longing. I'm seeding attachment. I'm working with the block. Mm. And I'm like, yes, here it is. If you can tell, I like to talk. And, and it's like, okay, I'm putting this together. I'm putting this together. And I'm about 30 seconds from finishing my frame. And I look over and a big old tears in someone's eye. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes it's like physically painful for me to just like, stop, mm -hmm. hang on, hang on, hang on. What's your tear saying right now? Yeah. To like drop it into a very low gear and mm -hmm. completely go from path one to path two. Yeah. It can be hard to do. Man, and that's where you got to really trust. You know, when I was working with a supervisee, I say, you know, Trust what you're seeing happening inside your client more than your words or your interventions. And, and they were like, what do you mean? I said, hey, watch your client right there. You did a good job. You did use good words and you helped create a moment. And then your intervention landed. This is one of those SV kind of, you know, feedback. It's like your, your intervention landed. Now let it do its work. Right. When you said that to that male partner, that withdrawer, you reflected his dilemma did you see how he slowed down and looked at the floor? Just stop and be quiet for a moment before you do another intervention. And then when he looks back up at you, say, hey, I just noticed you kind of went away right there. What was going on as you look down and at the floor? He's open, man. You don't got to do any more convincing. <laughs> yeah, so some people would say, and did you notice how James just dropped his voice? He's, he's showing us the difference there between path one, path one, and path Two, yeah, right. It's almost hypnotic. Mm -hmm. I get that question sometimes. Are you trying to be hypnotic? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to be attuned. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to drop into the attachment channel that I want them to be in. Yeah, and can I tell on myself here? 
Yes. So even when, <laughs> even when I sit, because I want people to know, like, this is things we're always growing at, too. It's not like we figured out and we're immune from making the mistake. But when I sent my, um, my, my trainer certification tape in to Sue, she said, James, great job. I just would ask you, right when she opened up, I still need you to slow down a little bit more. And before even Sue had to tell me that, I had put in my write-up to her. I recognize here, Sue, I should have slowed down. But you know what, why, why I didn't do it, Ryan? I was scared of losing the moment. So I saw her vulnerability come through, and I felt like, oh, no, James, you're going to lose it, so hurry up and stay and hold her, hold her there. So that was just my little confession. Well, it makes sense, James. I'll validate you. <laughs> Thank you. There's, there's a good reason to be scared you're going to lose it, because they usually do. Mm -hmm. If they could hold these spaces open and share and respond to each other, they would have they never met you. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have good reasons to fear it. And yet, if we don't slow it down enough and hold the space, right. then we inadvertently rob the relationship of having an amazing corrective experience from which their relationship may never go back. That's what I've found in EFT over the years is we do all this tango and stages and session here and session there. But it's really just two or three experiences that really is what the client takes for years and years and years mm -hmm. in the middle of that enactment when I saw something different in your eyes and it said that you see me in a different way and I and I have a shift in how I view myself and how I view you that is the beginnings of the new structure and it also points back to why we need a, a big stop sign in our offices mm. because I might be in love with that reframe I'm doing and I, it sounds so good. Folks, your clients are almost never going to remember your reframes. <laughs> They're just mm. not. It's just a weaker part of their brain. What, you know, what's, uh, oh boy, should have been more prepared. What's the poet, Angelou? Uh, oh, Dr. Maya, Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou. She says, what does she say? People will uh, not always remember what you say, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And it's not exactly the same for our clients in a therapeutic setting, but what they're going to remember is their experience more than anything that we say. So don't fall in love with your frames. Use those frames, tracking the cycle, your path one interventions, your little snippets of psych ed. All these things are really, really helpful. Be explicit about the process, but don't fall in love with them to think that's going to be a change agent. The change agent comes through corrective experience. Is that making sense, James? Yeah, I like that. Just another reframe. That's good. I want to make sure they hold on to the last episode. Those are like tracking little snippets of psychiatry and reframing our good path one interventions. Absolutely. So let's take a break on that note. Do you want more help getting focused in your work with relationships and distress, but you need it to fit into your already busy schedule and you want it to be affordable? check out successandvulnerability.com. Success and Vulnerability is an excellent online video-based curriculum developed by a team of EFT trainers, supervisors, and therapists who share their unique insights and therapeutic styles to help you succeed at working with relational distress. The SV program is for therapists at all stages of development who want to grow in their ability to work with emotional and relational distress. Success and Vulnerability is also a great tool to help supervisors increase their effectiveness in supervision 
to help give focused expert feedback for to help people get better in their work with couples and families and even individuals. Success and Vulnerability uses multiple forms of learning from didactic to experiential exercises and actual clinical cases with commentary to help you learn the micro moves of emotionally focused therapy. We look forward to be a part of helping you and your clients have success where it matters most in vulnerability. And so don't fall in love with, with those reframes and those in, in that psych ed, but truly it is about experience. So when we slow down and we let it breathe, we actually do allow now the experience that finally has come alive. And I want to share this because we know we did a special episode on trusting the process that when they get the space and it's safe and you let that moment breathe, their bodies will begin to bring some of that up and they might try and block it. But just trust it also when you're on that path. And if they do block it, you can get it back or you can get some similitude of it back. But by slowing down, though, you allow them to find how deep the depth of the experience that we can get in that moment. Well said. And speaking of depth of experience, that's the next part I want to talk about on path two. Okay. I once trained in a therapy model and I, and I respect it. I really do. I appreciate it. In their effort to make it clear they made it so protocol oriented that you just did the next step, one step, two step, three step, four, right? And, and they were convinced themselves with some research that this type of intervention created outcomes. But after a while, I sat back and go, well, if that's true, why do you need a person? <laughs> you can make a computer software program, run that exact order of things, and if that's really this intervention that works, why do we need a person, right? Of course, that's if, if that is what someone says, that's very, very flawed because you cannot take the humanistic piece out of this. Mm -hmm. There's something that nothing moves the soul like the presence of another. Mm. And so when we're on path two is the time to maximize that. This is the time to let your client's experience break your heart, to for you to sort of metaphorically put their pain in your mouth, chew it up, swallow it through your body, take on their experience. Even, even ask them for a second to say, hang on, I really want to try this on. Let their body see your body being impacted by their pain. Fully use yourself. Sue Johnson says, Speak to so in these moments, speak to someone like a good mother would speak to a third grader, which by the way can vary quite a bit based on your style, but it still is your most empathic, responsive version of you. We need it right now. You can't be doing path two work in path one speed. Mm. You can't be asking questions, asking questions, lots and lots and lots of questions. Now can you turn it and act it in fast, fast, fast organizing speed? You've got to, you've got to let it break your heart. And you've got to show that person. So the way I think of it or the way I teach it is, you know, a little bit of a morbid metaphor, but imagine if someone you love called you and, and their child had died or, or their parents and you meet them at the funeral home and you walk up and you're the first one there. How is your voice going to sound? What will you do? What will you say? So when your clients get to path two, you need to bring forth that funeral voice, that funeral pace that all of us naturally have. 
It can be done across the genders, different styles, different ways. Not everyone can come across like a wonderful grandmother, but all of us have a way of being with people when we are really touched. 100%. And so that's the key to path two is one of the ways you get into path two with your clients and you're attuned. You do have to experientially experience some of that in you and allow that part of that comfort in you come out towards them. And so I don't know if we're going to go here, but I definitely start thinking about some of the interventions for me, what, how my, when that switches for me and even knowing markers. Let me, let me, let me I'm sorry. Let me back up yeah. just one step. It's a question we always get. So might as well address it. Uh Oh, Whenever I teach that, when I say, hey, take their pain, okay. metaphorically, put it in your mouth, chew it, swallow it, show it back to them. The, the question is always, oh, my gosh, won't that create burnout? My answer is emphatically no. Having deep existential emotional experiences with others does not burn you out. Getting stuck on path one endlessly is what burns you out. When the blocks win too many times, that's what creates burnout. Going deep with people and it working and seeing breakthroughs energizes you. I'm sorry to interrupt you there. No, that was a good that was a good one to jump in with. Um, yeah, so so doing that, because I know even with Gail, people say like, well, how do you know? How will you recognize you're there? And Gail and her profound wisdom, she stops and you'll feel it in your body. You'll know you have to allow this. So that's one part that does make EFT, I think, rewarding and unique. And that's why you you need a human person there and not a machine is the machine will have to be able to experientially take in all the sensory information of sitting in a palpable place with another human being and feeling that with them. So for me, when I think about this, like Ryan talked about, we talked about on path one is already being kind of preloaded not in a like program way, but like, what are my interventions that help me when I'm with a person in pain? So for me, I love reflection. Uh, that's my go-to one with reflection. When I say reflection, it's not so much just reflecting a lot of words, but it is reflecting all the attachment cues I'm seeing come from their body. So it can be, man, I even notice just how your voice begins to change right there. And I even hear this little tremor in your voice when you said no one came for me or I even just notice how your eyes just turn down and go to the floor. It's like almost like there's something you see there. So I just want to slow down and be with you. Or even like, I like the one, like I've definitely learned in one of the feedbacks is talk about the tears when they come out or even as they begin to emerge. Hey, you know, once again, I'm just, hey, thank you so much. I even just noticed like your eyes begin to water in this place. So I just want to slow down. And like one of my phrases is, and you mark it. And this is when I learned from Sue too. And I just want to stay right here with you. I want to be right here. Like I'm marking this spot. And this is when Ryan told me too with me. It's like I take a deep breath for me. Man, I even feel this place in my own body. And my gut just wants to slow down. And so that's what's happening to me. Can you just, and this is where I might use an evocative response. I can't even see you just take this deep exhale. Kind of what is your body letting go? What is it breathe or what is it breathing in right now? What's happening for you in this place? And it's just I'm trying to slow down and be there and make this place so explicit. I want to pull everything because I feel like I'm in a moment right now where I want to get a clear signal of the pain in a way that I can then help them turn and invite their partner to be with them in that place right there for that corrective emotional experience. 
that's just kind of for me. Sure. Hopefully, as a listener, you're noticing James pacing. He's being experiential with you, even across electronic. What is this? Internet? (laughs) (laughs) Electric? Whatever I'm trying to say. Radio waves. Yeah, radio waves. (laughs) Internet. So, you know, you can feel that because you're a human and he's a human. And even though we don't, you may not even know James, as he slows down, as he models for you, as he kind of tries on some experience, or maybe he's pulling on his memory system, you can feel it. I can feel it. He's doing a good job showing us there. Let me sidebar us real quickly. Can I do that? Yeah. I, I like the, the, the use of a poignant phrase. Mm. Actually, on phase, um, man, it's been a long day. The use of a poignant phrase, even on path one or path two. Path one for just a quick step back. Mm-hmm. Someone's really, really screaming at me. One of the first things I'm thinking about is what is the absolute gist of what they're saying? What they're what is their anger trying to say? Some phrase like "This is not okay," or "This has to change." A lot of times, if you can just grab the most poignant phrase behind all that intensity, the intensity can drop for you. Mm. Over here, back on path two in these deeper places, as you're talking to someone about their most painful experience, oftentimes a poignant phrase will rearrange or or resurface, I should say. Our job is to catch it and consider using it repetitively. I was in St. Louis years ago doing a live consult, and and a, a, a it was a heterosexual couple. A male made a comment and almost slipped out. I don't think he meant to say it, but it was really quite romantic in a way. He was like, uh, yeah, if I lost her, I don't even think I'd want to live. And I just think, I'm like, oh, he was just going to change the subject. Notice that poignant phrase. So my job is to catch that and to hold that space open. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Whew. When you said that, sir, man, my heart skipped a beat. He's like, what? Right? So people can attachment stuff can fly out of people's mouths and they not even know it. Our job sometimes is to get them to pay attention to it. So just repeating it back, I'm not even sure I would want to live. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure I would want to live. Just repeating it back three or four times. And, and the vision I get is like, I'm holding the attachment channel open because it takes a while, even on path two, to let the energy bubble up, to let it slowly start to heat up to where it can come to the surface again. And I've got to hover there. and I've got to hold the space. Sometimes I just say, can you stay here with me for three or four minutes? not even sure if I lost her. I'm not even sure I'd want to live. Right? And then at that point, his heart comes fully in the room. And now we're ready to do some serious work. So I think that's one of the difficult decision points is how deep is deep enough. That's right. And let me just call out two more interventions just to help people on this path. You highlighted a famous one in EFT, risk. And I always mess this up. I get I mess up one of the S's every time. So let me repeat, repeat, repeat. Repetition of people's words or experiences is important because it says something. 
you're important and what you just experienced. When you repeat it, it also is a form of validation, by the way. Images. Ryan's good at this as using images to be evocative in people and their in their vulnerability and metaphors as well. Um, slow, soft, steady. Simple. Simple. There we go. See, that's what I always messed up. <laughs> uh, I like steady. Man, slow, soft, simple. And that it is important. Like even when you did that, right? It wasn't this big, elaborate, poetic explanation. Whew, let me stay. I just wouldn't want to live. Like that's so simple. It allows them in a moment of, when people are in distress, they can't take in complex uh, sentences and phrases. That's why when doctors are trained, when they give bad news, which you know I had to do that in the medical field, be simple, use few words, because the trauma, when you first start, they're gonna, their body and brain is gonna check out, so be simple. And then use client words. Sometimes I see EFT. Go back step. Go ahead. Real quickly, so yeah, repeat, 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 use images, simple, slow, softening, yeah. And, and shout out to trainer Becca Jorgensen. She adds somatic, Ooh. like body too. Pay attention to and or comment on body movements. I like that one. Dr. Rebecca Jorgensen. Yeah. She's going to be coming here for do shame training. Yeah. She, you all should come join us yeah. on the internet. <laughs> on the internet. Anyway. Um, and then clients' words. So I appreciate EFT or sometimes they are, they are such beautiful human beings and they have, they've sat with in pain. They have so much beautiful words and, and things, but I'm like, hey, I appreciate your beautiful. And this is something I got from my mentor, Catherine Rain. She does, even though Catherine is just like a linguistic genius to me, and she's a deep feeling human being, she does so well at, but your words are so beautiful and honoring their words, how they put language to their pain. Because guess what? They're not going to take you as a therapist home with them. They need their words when they're in their own pain. In clients' words, yeah. A couple more quick points and we'll take a break. Our job in these moments, you know, one of the hardest questions is how deep is deep enough? The answer is hard to define, but we're trying. It, you know, it is to use their full tolerance that day. I think it's a hard decision. I was just supervising a case where uh, a woman in some other state used a pretty big emotion word. The therapist I'm watching continued to work with it, trying to deepen and heighten it, and she lost it. And the, 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 the female client exited, and she never got it back. So she stopped the tape, and she's like, is that my error? I'm like, no, I don't think it's an error. I mean, trying to deepen and heighten it to use the full tolerance is a good instinct. I mean, knowing what we, knowing what we would have known now, we would have go ahead and passed that in the enactments. That's your decision point. When someone hits a deep emotion, have you used their full tolerance? So pay attention at that point in the back of your mind to where you are. If I'm in session five and you drop into a deep emotion that's very, very felt in the room, you're probably there. Let's go ahead and move it. If I'm in session 25 and you've already used that, the word sad 15 times, I probably don't want to enact sad. I want to go into sad and go further. What kind of sad? Is this sad like a despair? Like a sorrow? Hmm. Or something different, right? So I want to expand and heighten it at that point based on where you are, hmm. based on their tolerance, based on what's new, different, and deeper. That's what we want to pass when it's time to go on mission. And last thing, huge supervision point I got from, our, from my mentor, George Fowler. 
What if someone, I mean, this is funny how these, ref, these processes can be refined. What if you get deep in path two and you have several good options? Which one do you enact? That can be tricky. Most of the time we're fighting so hard to get anything good. Maybe they give you hurt, sad, rejected. I miss them desperately. And you're like, oh my goodness, I got like a buffet of options. George would say, pick the word that it most clearly shows their heart and most likely to draw empathy from their partner. So pick the word that's most clear and most likely to draw empathy from their partner. So there's some look at path two. With that, we'll take a quick break. Hey, I want to put a quick plug in for ICEFT. You may or may not be familiar with that organization, but ICEFT is the International Center for Excellence in Emotionally Focused Therapy. It's kind of our parent organization, or the mothership, as we might say. This is Sue Johnson and her wonderful team of trainers, administrators, who have been working since the mid-80s to bring about, um, sustain, and advance everything EFT around the world. As we say at our trainings, if you're just on a first date with EFT or just sort of uh, somewhat involved, maybe not. But if you really love EFT or EFT is your home, you should consider joining ICEF as an organization. That's the organization that organizes our trainings. Uh, it's a great website, ICEF.com. Their research page alone is worth a visit. You can keep up with what's going on all around the world. If there's a core skills in New Zealand, It'll be on that website. So a great opportunity to hear about our specialty trainings, addiction, uh, infidelity, um, EFIT, working with individuals. So consider checking out ICEF.com and maybe joining uh, the International Center for Excellence in Emotionally Focused Therapy. So I even love that phrase, the part that most clearly shows their heart. The word, yeah. Yep, the word, that's right. The word that most clearly shows their heart and is likely to draw empathy. And then once you get that, being able to then pass it, to then finish the mission. And part of that, and we talk about, you know, we've heard on this episode, we talk about finish the mission, body in, body out. And when we say body in, is and so right now, even what would it be like? What do you, what, even right now, what do you sense in your body? What would it be like to turn and share this with your partner? getting that somatic body marker. Yep. Got it. Like even like I did this with a person today, we just did a role play with a supervisee. I feel like this tightness and nervousness come up in my chest. Great. That's let me know this is a point where the body needs a different experience. It's scary to share this. We need a little risk. Right. Have them turn. They're able to share it. And then even after they share it. So I'm just kind of curious, man. I'm just I saw you turn and you share that. Great job. Thank you for taking that risk. And then you maybe you get that response back from the partner. I just want to check back in with you, though, before I move on. Your partner, thank you for sharing it, and thank you for being able to respond right here and letting them know how that hit your body. But can I check in? How's your body doing right now after just hearing your partner see this place and how they respond to you here? What's happening in your body now? And what we hope, you know, if it took is that was that tightness. that Before you said it was a tightness in your chest. Can I check in? What's happening in your chest right now? It's like a, it's, there is a little bit of relief. There is some relief. It's like it kind of opened up and loosened some. Great. Body in, body out. 
make sure that that mission, and if the buy, and if the, and if it didn't finish the mission, stay and be curious. Cause even it's like, it's still a little tight. Okay. Let's just be curious here. Cause you're that tightness, even though you shared and they responded, what is that tightness even saying right here in this place right now? I'm still not quite sure if they're convinced and if they can see. And you might do some more enactments around that to build off of that. Am I getting that kind of close around? What would you say? Oh, I like what you were saying. I was trying to think about ways to, to frame that. Mm-hmm. When you get that word that feels the clearest and you think is most likely to draw empathy from the partner, we want to make sure it's in the room mm-hmm. and, and alive here and now versus a story. In EFT, we don't work with stories. We work with, ultimately, we work with live emotion. Right. So we want to we want to check that it's alive by saying, can you feel it right now? Where is it in your body? What is that sensation? So then once it's alive, we enact it at all times. We're expecting blocks. Uh, James says we do hope that it takes. I'm like, be careful with hope. I know. I I mean, ultimately, of course, we do hope. But we we're not surprised if people won't enact it. We're not surprised if the partner blocks. We're going to jump in, CPR, work parts. We're going to find some way to get a response back. If we're really, really, really having trouble, we may use what's called a ditch enactment, which is coming up soon in a future episode. But We're going to get some response back. Then we're going to test if that person who sent the original enactment can install it by checking back to that initial place in the body where it was felt. My dad was an old coach years ago. And he would say, here's a reminder of this. This is, And I, I'm going to say something that sounds contradictory, okay, because a lot of things in life are just that tight. He would say, in regards to sports, multiple sports actually, he would say, be quick, but don't hurry. <laughs> be quick, but don't hurry. There's kind of wisdom to that. Really good athletes, they're, they're quick, but they're not rushed. They're not chaotic. So when it comes to path two, finishing the mission, You want to go slow. Slow is your friend. Mm. But you are also kind of in a hurry. (laughs) So go slow, but don't forget you're in a hurry. Here's what I mean by that. If I spend too long, if someone gives me a great emotion and it's hot, if someone gives me a word like unworthy, sad and unworthy, and it's like alive in the room, and I just listen to this great podcast which told me I should get it in the body first, but they're having trouble getting it in the body. And I take four minutes talking about where it is in the body or, you know, how this happened, how this happens all the time. Now I've lost a moment. And emotion does have a shelf life. It's like the clock's ticking. If we're on mission, get it going pretty quickly here. You can, you can always come back. I can hear Gail Palmer's voice in my head right now, Lorraine, don't rush. You can always come back, and you can, but it sure is harder. It sure will be nice to take the natural momentum of someone's emotion and the energy that's flowing now out of that attachment channel like an image of a volcano. We want to catch that red-hot energy and use it on mission and use it for change. So once again, I love this. Like on path two, you know, we have these good moves, these reflections, these tracking the cycle, these little snippets of psych ed that we used on path one. But once we recognize that they're open, that the path has shifted and we are now back, we're on path two where they're open and they're vulnerable. Then at that moment, that's where we want to kick in with some other interventions. Definitely one of the famous ones in EFT, 
that risk part. We want to intentionally make sure that we pivot and attune to where they are because what we want to help them be able to do is to be able to, I like this, Ryan would say that to help them get a message that clearly is able to show their heart and if possible, elicit empathy and empathic response back from their partner. We want to not only get onto path to it and get in open work with vulnerability, but as Ryan and I said, we would see even from good meaning people, sometimes they wouldn't get on this mission or complete the mission. We want to make sure that we get on this path and that we finish the mission of what the attachment system is trying to do here. Uh, thanks for being with us on the Leading Edge, the left podcast. <laughs> the left Leading podcast. Edge and Emotionally Focused Therapy. I've always been a lefty, James. Yeah. Southpaws have it down, man. I love it, man. <laughs> Hopefully we can get some swag made with that. We just want to take a minute and thank you for being a part of the Leading Edge podcast. We are really inspired and grateful when we hear from you in trainings or through social media about how this content is truly helping you push the leading edge of your learning and being able to apply emotionally focused couples therapy with your clients and some of you also in your own personal lives. And so at this moment, we just want to ask you to consider helping us out. Yeah, James, I appreciate you saying that. When we first started this, uh, we had no idea it would take off like it has. We get contacts from all over the world. So it's really cool to think that we're coming through your speakers and in your devices or however you listen to us. And, uh, we appreciate that. It's really an honor. And like James is saying, we want to ask you to consider helping us make this sustainable. We've gone back and forth on how we want to handle money or, or if we want to involve that. But the reality is to make this sustainable, uh, we do need to do some things and make some investments. So we have a Venmo account. We would love to ask you to consider partnering with us and joining us to, to make this sustainable, to take this to other people who are trying to help others around the world and even the next generation of therapists. So you want to talk about how they can do that? Yeah. If you want to be a part and you can to support us, you can go to on Venmo at LPC or on cash app LPC with a dollar sign in the front and in the subject line, just to help us know that you're a leading edge listener and you want to support us, please put leading edge or Here's a fun one we're doing. We're playing with Ryan. Put left in the comment line because you are part of the leading edge and emotionally focused therapy. There you go. So at Doc Hawk LPC. Yes, correct. Okay. All right. And I want to say one thing really, really quickly, you know, uh, depending on where you are in life, if you're living check to check, if, if money is tight for you and or if you're somewhere and you're really serving an underserved population, please do not give us money. We do not want your money. We won't take it. We'll send it back somehow uh, because that's not what this is about. But if you're at a place where you're doing okay or maybe even doing really well and uh, ideas from this podcast, if you use them professionally for which you re uh, receive fees for your services, consider partnering with us. We've had people who've donated $300 or $50, whatever it is for you. We trust that uh, our listeners are going to make the best decision for them. We just want to make this available for you. You're welcome to continue joining us if you don't give. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at Push the Leading Edge at gmail.com and you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge.
You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Rayner Professional Training and on his website, RyanRaynerTraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com. Thank you.